Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Yes, you heard correct. This is the 50th episode of Back to Basics. I cannot even believe in myself. And when I was reviewing who did I want to have as a guest for this very special episode, There was only one name in the long list of interviews that I had scheduled that I wanted to bring on, and that is top USA Paralympic athlete, Ryan Boyle. Ryan has an uh, amazing inspirational story, tragic indeed. At the age of nine, he was hit by a truck at a friend's birthday party, and he was given no chance of survival by many who recognized the dire condition he was in. After awakening from a two-month coma, he spent the next seven in an intensive rehab hospital in New York, and I'm going to let Ryan tell you the rest of the story. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to Back to Basics. Hi. It's great to be here. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. And I've become a fan through reading your book. Ryan wrote a book called When the Lights Go Out, and it's about, you know, telling the, you know, what happened to him and how his family coped with it. And he's doing amazing things. So I definitely want want us to chat about, unfortunately, that traumatic event because it defined your life. But at the same time, I also want you to share, you know, about your training. And you were Tokyo bound, right? You were going to be in the Olympics. Um, I didn't make the team, but I had high hopes. Okay, okay. I was disappointed when uh, the postponement happened. Yes, so we, yeah, we're taping this episode after they announced due to coronavirus that they're going to postpone the Olympics. Well, that gives you more time to train, Ryan. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I definitely, I definitely think that uh, maybe I think it's going to be now 2021, right? Yes. So and after that, what is it? Paris. Uh, yes. So and you're you're a young guy. Uh, how old are you now? Uh, 26. Okay, so you 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 have time for this. So, um, <laughs> so definitely, I know that your accident. Uh, it's, it, you know, I'm sure it's not a pleasant experience to remember, but at the same time, I know you've been brave enough to share the experience through your book. And so I want, I want to go through it uh, a little bit so that the people out there in my audience can see the amazing journey, how you have turned a bad, very, very bad situation into something that, that is driving you into, into the great men you have become. So first of all, I just want to hear of the pre-accident years, uh, the young Ryan, you know, a nine or a little younger. What did you like to do? Who were you as a, a little child? Yeah, so I was very athletic. I loved to be outdoors. I remember 
when I would come home from school, I would get my homework done and then spend the rest of the day riding my bike around the yard. But I did BMX racing, and I um, got the nickname of Flying Ryan. <laughs> I imagine. I, I read in the book you were a little daredevil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and very so, athletic. Um, I think you had like, even as a, you know, very young, you had records in your school in terms of running and all that stuff. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember too that I had a dirt bike and a go-kart and I would just drive those around all day. Uh, <laughs> so I loved the outdoors. And where were you? Where were you raised? Um, in Connecticut. Okay, so you did have a lot of outdoors available to you there. Right. Yes. And uh, I know you've shared in your book about you know your special holidays. You used to go to a cabin or something like that. Oh yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. That sounds like a special place. Right. My parents had a cabin in New Hampshire on a pond. Mm. So um, we would go up there quite often for long weekends or for a couple of weeks in the summer or something like that. So uh, we had a lot of great friends up there and That was where I did a lot of my mountain biking. So um, it was a great place. It sounds, it definitely sounds like it. And uh, do you still, do you get, your family still have it? Do you get there uh, at all these days or no? Unfortunately, no. But sometimes we make visits up there. Okay. Okay. That's nice. So, so you sound by all accounts, like a very, you know, and I have a nine-year-old kid son and, um, I admit reading the book was rough because I, you know, uh, having a son at the same age you were when you had your accident, you were almost 10. My son will be 10 in November and he is very accident prone. So I, I've run to ER with him at least six times. And so, oh. uh, yeah, even when I was pregnant with, with my daughter, you know, he fell down the stairs and always very like, you know, like at home kind of falls. I mean. But it was tough because you can recognize, I can recognize that he's very active as well. Like when I was reading in, in the pages, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> about you. But at the same time, me and my husband always say, we don't want to cut that independence in him. And we don't want to cut that uh, curiosity, you know, because you can become right. the kind of mom that, oh, don't do this, don't do that. And you know, there's danger, but at the same time, you don't want to uh, take that away from them. Yeah, exactly. And so it was. It was. I, I, I saw a lot of Christian in you. In the in as I, as I was reading, although he's not that the fastest runner he wants to be, but for whatever reason, uh, he hasn't <laughs> gotten there yet. But in any case, so you went to a friend's party. You um, got together. I think it was an overnight sleep when the acts. Uh, you know the the events that led to your accident. Yes. So you were invited and, to a friend's house. To tell us about it. Yeah. So um, ironically, my family and I were supposed to be up in 
New Hampshire at our cabin because this was over Columbus Day weekend. But due to outstanding circumstances, that didn't happen. And I saw that a good friend of mine was having a sleepover party. So my mom let me go to that. And um, when I first arrived, it was a lot of fun because we went paintballing and then we got back and rode his dirt bike in the woods and, you know, just horsed around uh, with child's play and all that. And then um, we went inside to quote-unquote sleep (laughs) because... You know, no one sleeps at those. (laughs) Uh, I can see that. Yeah, I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. But um, in the morning, I remember having a bowl of cereal and then going out the door. And then I woke up two months later, not knowing what happened to me. (laughs) Wow. 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 So really, that's when you, I guess that was the inspiration when you called their book, When the Lights Go Out. It was almost like they shut them down. And then next thing you know, now you're facing a a different reality. Yeah, exactly. And so basically, you you were playing in some sort of toy outside. Yeah. So the backstory is that I was playing on his big wheel toy in the driveway, but his driveway was slick at the time, and it was on a hill that led right to the road, and I slid down the driveway into the road, and since it was dirt, the speeding pickup truck could not get traction to break in time before it hit me. Wow, that's uh, uh, it's, it's one of those things that unfortunately one can only process them as it, it was meant to be that way and God obviously had a higher calling for you. But I'm really sorry that that had to happen to you. And uh, I know that during the that in the book, after you know the accident chapter, so to speak, your dad is the the one that actually takes over on the book. And I love how you guys did that and and allowed your dad to to also share with the, with the reader what happened next. And and obviously, I encourage anybody that wants to be inspired. Uh, by by Ryan and and what he has achieved to to pick up the book because it's really there's a lot of wisdom uh, on, on the book. But um, I admire your parents. I mean, obviously, what they went through, and I know they're one of the things that took them through those first moments when you were in surgery and no one really knew what was going to happen. Is I, I I guess they have like a lot of uh, support from the priest on the town. I guess they are religious. Right. Yeah, yes. because they they had like four four people, and and that comes in handy. Uh, I, <laughs> I I can I went to to school in um you know like a, what is a, a non non school, and uh, for seventeen years pre K to high school, and I have to say that in all my tough moments, it's always been handy to have that group of nuns that <laughs> to call upon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, 
And I know you, there was a group of nuns that also took a, a big interest in you. Right, yes. What, what was it? Is that the St. Teresa? Mother St. Teresa's Order. Okay. In uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Wow, that's amazing. And they, for what I read, they would come to the hospital and, and pray over you and and your vital signs would show, even if it for a brief moment, like improvement. Yes, exactly. And the medical staff could not explain it. That is amazing. I'm religious, so to me, when I read these words and that you wrote, uh, it's almost like definitely God has a mission through you, and that, and that's very admirable. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, and so I know that re the road to recovery um, was very difficult. I know that uh, you at some points you you couldn't even speak. Correct. Yes. Right. So listening to you today, it's quite amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I remember in speech therapy early on, we made a communication board with pictures of a whole bunch of different emotions and feelings. So um, my dad would actually have to guide my arm to the picture that I was feeling. And this board was taped to the tray on my wheelchair, but he had to guide my arm because I didn't have the strength to do it myself. Wow. That's amazing. So I imagine your parents must be so proud of you. I mean, you must be proud of you, but having seen <laughs> all you have achieved and and it seems to me that even, you know, doctors are like a lot of people and probably I guess it's human nature when you've seen many people fail on the same task and then you have one impressive young boy that really you surpass everybody's expectations every time there was a challenge. That you really had an impact on these doctors and these medical staff. <laughs> I did, and thanks for uh, noticing that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it takes determination. I mean, I, I imagine if you're a doctor and you've seen this over and over, it's hard not to tell the parents, you know, most likely this is not going to happen or he's not going to make it. Sometimes we feel when it's our family and loved ones, we say, why do they have to say that? Give us hope. But at the same time, if it's the minority that really makes it through and, and has a success story such as yours, it's also hard for them. Right. Right. So, well, you, yeah. Go like, um, I remember one of the last times I met with my neurosurgeon, He said at the end of our session, my advice is to take no one's advice. Yeah. <laughs> Be yeah, because, you know, I have just surpassed what really anyone has said. You were establishing your own limits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, there's a part in your book, actually, now that you mentioned that, that, that you said, Being with people who would allow me to take chances was as important to my success as all the private therapy sessions my parents had to pay for. Yeah, 
So, Definitely. So I imagine that, that the people that were around you that say you can do this and that would allow you to, to try were really crucial. Yes. That's amazing. I, I, think, I think that that's something that we can take in any circumstance, not only in yours or something so drastic as yours. But uh, I once heard a TV station, it's a radio station in Italy. It's a, also, it's a religious radio station. And it was this nun giving advice. And I had, my son was very young at the time, four or five. And she was saying, any help, any unoffered help can become a handicap to the person that you're giving it to. Basically, if they don't ask you for help, don't give it because it might become a handicap for that person. And uh, I and I live by that as a mom. And I see it when my kids struggle with something, the instinct is to help. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. But then if you don't do it and you let them figure it out, then really they have to figure it out. And so you had to figure it out in the worst possible way, unfortunately. I did. Yeah, but... It definitely shaped who I am today. It definitely did. And and I know probably going back to school, you you sound like a very smart kid and, and I'm sure that going back to school was challenging. What what do you what can you share about those days when you had to go back to school and see your friends again and, and, and try to, to adapt to the new circumstance? Yeah, well, As you said, those days were not easy by any means. I remember a lot of my friends from before the accident, they alienated me. They didn't know how to act around me or anything like that, which really hurt. I imagine. But I developed a great way of just making new friends and all. And like I previously said, that definitely shaped who I am today. But I also remember trying to relearn how to walk. So I would be strapped into a four-wheeled walker going class to class. So, um, It was embarrassing, and it took a lot of mental courage to actually go to school. And I remember my my aide was really my only friend at times. But luckily, we got along really well. But there were a lot of frustrations and all things that I had to do for therapeutic reasons that I just did not like. I imagine. I imagine. And I could not predict, but I couldn't fear that that one of the elements to your success, besides uh, amazing parents, obviously, was your brother. So the family nucleus, it sounds that is very tight. Uh, Yes, definitely. And your brother, is he older or younger than you? He is older. Older. And uh, tell us about him and how he helped you through that process. Yeah. So um, he was in high school at the time. And, of course, it was a lot for him to deal with. And he was 
alone for many nights and all because um, my parents were up at the hospital with me. But I remember some of our extended family helped take care of him. I remember like when I came home on home visits from the hospital, he would actually carry me up the stairs to his bedroom. And since he had bunk beds, I would sleep on the bottom one. And um, I would be hooked up to a feeding tube that made this obnoxious noise all night long. (laughs) And he had to endure it. And uh, I got to say that he definitely was a trooper going through what he did. But he really stood his ground and um and we have just been very close ever since and he actually works in the bike industry today Mm, okay so um i ride the type of bike that he works for awesome that sounds like um, a match made in heaven (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so it's pretty cool how um, everything's intertwined. It's amazing uh, when, when, when you look at it, because when you think that one of the things that you enjoy the most, it was riding your bike. And uh, I'm sure that now, of course, it's maybe different. Is it different kind of bike that you ride? Or if, I'm sure it's some, somehow adapted, but still a bike and you can still go fast. <laughs> oh, Definitely. Yeah, but um, it is a bit different being that it has an additional wheel. So it is a tricycle, which I call it trike because I don't want to be deemed as an adult racing a tricycle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a trike sounds uh, cooler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But... um, For the most part, it is a regular two-wheeled bike that I pedal with my legs. But um, the rear wheel is replaced by an axle that accommodates the two rear wheels for stability. So you can make any traditional bike into a trike. You just need that axle. Okay. Okay. Now that uh, it's uh, it sounds, I've seen some of your pictures, and it, it looks it looks pretty pretty great. You know, considering again that you had to overcome uh, speaking again, riding again, walking again, and now you get to travel the world, right? You you participated <laughs> in 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 the the world championship, I guess, in 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 Brazil. Um, that was the Paralympics in oh, Brazil. That's pretty real. It's a pretty cool city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that- definitely a dream come true. I mean, especially walking into the um, the stadium for the opening ceremonies and all. Um, 
I just knew how so few people on this earth get to experience what I did. And it was truly breathtaking. And you were one of them. Pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty am exactly. Pretty <laughs> amazing. And, you know, I, I think it was very brave that, that you wrote the book because there's so many people out there probably listening to this podcast that, that they think, you know, they've been into a very bad situation and their life is done. And uh, I think to recover from, from a traumatic brain injury like you did and, and still have the life that, you, that you're living. When, when we first spoke the first time before this, I asked you if, if you were doing everything you wanted to do. And uh, what was your answer to that? I love that answer. So I have to ask that. I, I asked to ask to share that. <laughs> right. So forgive me if I don't get it word for word. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to get it pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I got to say that everything I'm doing is exactly what I want to do. And I'm just enjoying life every day and I don't think there's anything special about it but I mean people like you or so many other people just look up to me and think the world of it and I am very proud of that and incredibly grateful. Well, you got it word by word, I can say. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that I had to ask that answer when the first time we spoke, and I have to share this with the audience, guys. Uh, the first time we taped this interview, it got somehow deleted. It had never happened to me. <laughs> so I get Ryan all a second time for myself and for my audience. So this is a treat, and he's been so nice. They say, let's do it again. And so thank you, Ryan. That's the kind of guy you are. <laughs> but it's just so motivating because I think we there's something in the human being that we like to play the victim a little bit in our circumstances. And sometimes I feel we can kind of compete who has it worse <laughs> when we call our friends and say, like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, and sometimes it's almost like you get to see who, who has the, the worst circumstance. And then you get to stories that are really out of our, out of everybody's league, and 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 it puts things into perspective. And even the whole coronavirus thing, I think, is helping everybody to put perspective into our lives, right? Exactly. Into there's bad situations, and it's all what you make about it. And I know that uh, also in your book, you write or you wrote rather. Don't let the disability control you. You control the disability. Yes. And that's And, powerful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, definitely, I think that's a very important motto to live by, especially in my circumstance, because like, if I did let the disability control me, I would be nowhere near the shape I'm in today, and I wouldn't be enjoying life so much. <laughs> I, I admire that. And 
I know you're a busy guy, so I'm not going to, and this is the second time you're doing this for me, but there's a part that we haven't discussed. We just discussed a little bit, but I think it's important to me and also to share faith in your life. I mean, we already spoke family, that's an F, but also I, I believe faith, um, really the one that your parents had and the one that you had really took you a long way. And I know that at some point, you took a very special trip with your mom to visit the Virgin of Berjugori. Right. And yes. I and I know that, that that trip was important because it made you realize a few things. Can you share a little bit about that trip and uh, you know some of the your takeaways or, or realizations? Yeah. So I remember vividly that I was doing a 5K Uh, walk for the town at the time that my parents mentioned that um, there is an anonymous benefactor who would like to pay for my mom and I to go to Medjugorje. And um, at this time, I was very mad at God not knowing why he would do this to someone so young. And um, I really didn't want to hear any more about this, and I didn't want to go. But ultimately I did, because um, I couldn't really say no to my mom. (laughs) 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 And... Fortunately, I did go because, as you were saying, it was a very pivotal point for me. And it was great for my realization on why this happened and how great God is and how powerful he is. Because the whole week, I just saw people that had an extreme faith like there wasn't necessarily anything tangible for them to believe in but these instances would happen where um they just knew there was a higher power act and um one of those which arguably was the most powerful was an exorcism. It was at the top of Apparition Hill, which is where the Virgin Mary first appeared to the visionaries back in the 70s. And um, there's a statue of Mary up there. And then we were told that we really aren't allowed to talk on the mountain because it's a very holy place. So um, we got to the top and we just heard a bunch of chanting and immediately being an eighth grade kid like I was, I'm just thinking, ooh, someone's going to get in trouble. (laughs) 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 But... um, I later found out that they were all chanting the Hail Mary. And uh, there was a possessed woman 
at the foot of the statue. And there were a couple priests in our group, and others went to help hold her down and all that. And, um, you know, the priests prayed over her, and I stayed back because... <laughs> <laughs> Once you see that, you can't unsee it. <laughs> of course, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, when everything was done with, it was successful. And the members of our group came back and reported what they saw. And her hair was changing colors. Her voice was changing, like, from an old woman's voice to a little boy and things like that. And hands were, like, being pressed out of her stomach and all. So it definitely sounded like something I'm glad to not have seen. I was about to say, it sounds like you made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's just things like that and there was another instance it was not as mortifying as that <laughs> <laughs> but it was an apparition of the virgin mary and uh she only appears to the visionaries so she told one of them where she would appear and at what time and all. And then um, that those words are relayed to the community in the newspaper. So everyone gathers at that location at the date and time the next month or whenever it is. And this day, it happened at a drug rehab center. And um, the stage was slightly lit. And then at the exact time, the visionary walked in, went onto the stage, and kneeled down while looking up in a trance-like state. And um, that lasted for about 15 minutes. But... It was truly remarkable how many people were there. And some people actually camped out in the front yard overnight just to get good seats. So it was amazing to see how faith just drew all these people to this location. Wow. No, I have never been there, but it's definitely in my bucket list uh, because uh, my family in Italy is very devout and they go every year and, and, and it's really, I know it's an, a transformational experience. And for what I read, it also gave you clarity on your own situation. Right. Yeah. So a lot of locals came up and hugged and kissed me. And, uh, of course, I thought it was weird at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I later found out that they were doing that because they saw God in me. 
And um, that really resonated on me. So I thought about it more, and I really had an epiphany that this happened, and God will never give you too much that you can handle. So he is helping me get through this, and he let me survive for a reason. And it's up to me to figure out what that reason is. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, amazing that your clarity. It's uh, it's really is what inspires me every time I talk to you. The clarity into your mission, and uh, because you do have many exciting things going on. What is Ryan working on right now besides training? Uh, uh, you know, in, in to to keep competing. What other projects you have? Right. So um, uh, I guess the biggest of which would be my second book, okay. which is called The Fruit of All Evil. And um, Love the name, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I try to make it um, interesting. Yeah, it definitely it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's about my training and going to school full time and uh, moving out to Colorado and my racing experiences and all. But um, I'm actively looking for a literary agent for that to take the next steps. Mm -hmm. That um, sounds exciting. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for it because I was able to write the whole thing Wow! <laughs> because I was conscious for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I see you having read your first book. I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. I know you do also, I mean, and I, I feel honored because you've been interviewed by CNN, by a lot of the big names media. So that that goes without saying to thank you for giving me the time twice. Uh, and I know you do some uh, speaking, right? Right. Yes. Great. And I'm going to put your webpage in a show notes so that everybody can get more familiar with Ryan's work. Uh, he, he's doing fantastic things and, and inspire others. And it's just your attitude towards life what has made me a fan. He even, guys, uh, uh, autographed my book and with the note, Leticia, persevere and shoot for the stars. So that's very special, Ryan. Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, coming from, from someone that has endured what you have endured, it's definitely something that I will cherish and look look upon every time I feel that I, I get it a little hard. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you for, for being in Back to Basics. And uh, I wish you really the best of luck. And uh, I look I look forward having you again on the show, maybe when you win one of those uh, Paralympics uh, medals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be a good goal. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, um, I already have a silver, so 
Hopefully, when we talk next, it'll be when I'm holding my gold. Okay, <laughs> well, hopefully not when we talk. I hope I keep talking to you, but when you're buying back to basics, definitely. I, will, I would love to have that as a goal, as a vision for <laughs> yeah, you and your success, sure. or when your next <laughs> book is out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so oh. much. <laughs> okay, Ryan, thank you so much, and keep safe, okay? Uh, yeah, same to you. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And until the next time.